On Friday, Larry Mullen dives deep on Home is Where the Tart Is, the season six opener where Casa Walsh becomes a rage. So fans, jump in with your questions. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beverly Hills 90210 Show and go to Beverly Hills 90210 Show.com to watch live Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Why should I let you have all the fun? All right, guys, we are back again for a very special uh, Friday episode, and we have uh, some panel here. Hey, before we jump into talking about the show, I need to plug uh, away at Beverly Hills 90210 Showshop.com and Look at some of these cool shirts that we have. We have the uh, the Ray Pruitt live after dark at after dark. <laughs> That's a cool one. We've got I'd like to exchange an egg. All right. And uh, I made my choice. I choose me. Jessica felt pretty good about that. She wrote that line. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe um, we've got the beach club rules. Do not interrupt the young and the restless. And of course, uh, don't go away. Don't go away mad. Just go away. I wonder who wrote that one. That's brilliant. And then, of course, uh, Larry's favorite here, Roy, Roy Randolph's Royal Academy Acting School. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, make sure you go over there and check that out. And if you're liking what you're hearing, guys, you can get this on iTunes and Spotify. Be nice and give us a five star review there. It helps us uh, helps people to find the show. So anyway, I'm super excited because I am joined by the legends of <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, we have Jessica Klein with us, who is an executive producer. Of course, our usual suspect, Larry Mullen, and the director of this episode, Michael Lang. And then, of course, Lily's back, right? Yes, representing all the fans. So, hey, guys, it's probably, I don't know how many years it is since this aired uh, for season six, but this is the first time probably you guys have seen it in a very long time, maybe probably since it aired. September 96, uh, I think. So since 1996, very long time ago. What are, you, what are your thoughts uh, to the three of you, starting with Larry? What is your thoughts looking back on it all these 20-somewhat years uh, later? You know, when I first look, I mean, it's so hot. I mean, they, the actors are gorgeous. They're so – they're at the height of their powers here. I, I, I was just blown away by the, the, the pulchritude of Jenny Garth. I mean, the way she looked. At, and Michael did such a great job in that opening stunt, the mile-high thing was hilarious we introduced a character spectacularly with colin robbins i mean i was pretty knocked out by by it but just there was a lot of kissing in this episode that's what all the other thing i noticed <laughs> a lot yeah and but we but we also had to pick up all the other threads which and thank god we did and but i remember a lot of the other stuff and i'm going to pass it on to jess now jess what do you what do you what do you think looking back on all these years later so i was um very embarrassed at first that I couldn't remember having written one word of this. And, and then and when, when Larry told me uh, where I could go to look up the show summary, I looked and I still couldn't remember very much. All that came back was the rave. I knew about, I remembered the rave, but then watching the episode, it like, it all came flooding back. And what I was really, I was stunned by, they're all very good actors. And yep. they really could sell all this sometimes crap we threw their way, and they made it believable. And I and Michael, you did a. I, I thought you directed this with such vitality. It was great. Yeah, Michael. It was a little weird for me seeing some of it because I wrote this episode 
or produced it or something with my ex late husband, Steve oh. Wasser. And he, this was a lot of Steve. It, I mean, we even shot a scene outside his apartment building. The Dorchester was where he lived. And I was like, seriously, you went to your own house and then and then said it was the nicest building on Wilshire Boulevard, which it wasn't. And then said that the people, you would plan to have the boys live there until the guy he was renting it from was going to go back to his wife. And I'm thinking, you weren't coming back to me, babe. And then... <laughs> <laughs> then we went to a sailboat. This episode was Steve Wasserman's dream come true, including the Mile High Club. It was. So God I, I think him, the, he would have yeah, loved think, it. Yeah, it really was. And I, I, we have to remember, Steve. I think the Mile High thing was Steve's idea, too, as it, I remember. Of course it was. <laughs> all right. We're going to get into all that. Uh, Michael, what is your thoughts when you look back on this all these years later? I mean, you directed this. You directed, I mean, we were talking before we came on here. You directed so many critical episodes and definitely want to have you on a lot. So tell me what you thought about this, though. It was it, it was really interesting seeing it again. And I, I have to uh, echo what Larry said. There was, it was like, I thought, wow, nothing like that has ever happened to me in real life. None of those scenes. So, <laughs> that's probably part why I love directing. It's like I get to do things that, you know, like the opening scene, I had totally forgotten that it was a complete setup on the on Jenny's part. You know, <laughs> um, and it was like, this is outrageous. If this ever happened, I mean, how could that have happened back then? I mean, things weren't that much more free than they are today. And then, of course, it fooled me. <laughs> they went into the bathroom, and then I remember shooting that scene and was you know, I wanted to make sure this—it was obviously a set, but but uh, I wanted to make sure it wasn't huge. You know, wasn't really big enough to shoot in because I wanted everything to feel very cramped, which made it kind of a pain in the neck to film. But and also because you, you have to get you know certain angles per you know per the, the what the show requires, they have to be all beautiful. They can't be any weird angles. And so shooting in that little cramped uh, bathroom set was kind of a pain, but worth it, I think, because I wanted the actors to feel like they were also kind of cramped. Yeah, I, I think it Hey, uh, I want to say a quick Chuck Rosen thing here, because I saw Chuck yesterday. And he says, you know, good luck on the episode. And I said, did you ever see? He says, you know, I started watching the thing, and I was so appalled at this mile high thing. I said, you didn't see that it was a joke? He said, no, I, I turned it off. <laughs> so he had never seen it. He says, "You're kidding me. That sounds great." Because <laughs> you know, I, I, I it was just blew my mind. <laughs> Chuck told the story this week. Uh, the he show said we had lost our mind. He said they lost their minds. That's it. They the, can't do it without me. <laughs> on the Wednesday show, he told a story about breaking a chair at uh, the spelling home, and I thought that was so funny. I still can't get that at, that visual out of my my head. So uh, he's a blast. Anyway, he'll be back uh, next week for sure. Okay, let's let me get into some of this, guys. Um, before we get into season six in this opening episode, there's a lot going on behind the scenes as we kind of wrap season five. Uh, we're losing a lot of characters, right? So um, Gabrielle, Andrea Zuckerman's going to leave. We're going to lose the Walshes. Um, Chuck leaves. You know, Larry, you came in because of Chuck, and he's going to leave the show. So there's a lot of... Joe Hennigan also left. It was an Chuck important left. part of the show. So there's a lot of moving parts. So Larry, why don't you kind of, and Jessica maybe, why don't you guys kind of walk me through what the ending of season five is looking like for you? And are you guys sort of aware that all of this change is coming? 
Yeah, because we have to we have to adapt to it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure by the time, well, we ended, you know, we knew we we weren't sure that that Luke was going to uh, leave or only do ten episodes until after we we had shot the the uh, the, the two hour ending episode of episode five, but we did know that Jim and Cindy, because they renewed the actors' deals, I remember, in the spring. And, and you know, for whatever reason, their deals didn't get renewed. You know, the show, you know, whatever, you know. I that, know. That, the, they, the pool of the acting money got taken elsewhere. They were way too expensive. And there was a lot of talk about where what to do with them. And my brother had a friend whose parents moved to Hong Kong for some business thing. And he said, you know, you should have them go to Hong Kong. So that's why they went to Hong Kong. And we liked it, you know. It was it was good, and then uh, so I that was that was a definite. We had already said goodbye to, to Gabrielle, to, to Andrea's character, so we, that wasn't in, in play. But uh, certainly, you know, we we, we kind of teased with a Valerie Brandon thing at the end. They're in the uh, in the house for sale, and the summer's starting, and and they're just getting down watching the Smurfs or something. It's really cool, as I remember. I don't know if that, if that was on screen, but I remember that in my head. Um, and so <laughs> we had to deal with that coming in. And yeah. then, uh, and then, of course, I can't say for sure the exact timing, but when Ray Pruitt, you know, kind of had that argument with Donna, protecting Ray here, he didn't really push her. He was jostling. There was some action, and she fell down the stairs. We at that point we had a plan that we were going to redeem him. He was going to come back, and he was a kid who was abused himself, and you know, he was a blue collar character. We had talked to so many psychologists about what to do. And you know what? Did you notice? Did you notice? Jess, uh, Ray's in. He's in the. He's in the opening credits. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was really shocked. So obviously, it happened after they shot that, which was during the shooting of the first episode. Did Did you shoot those promos, Michael, or for the for the credits? No, probably not. Oh uh, no, I don't think probably so. would have been done before. But but anyway, by the time that first episode or the first two episodes happened. We had already gotten the call to come upstairs that it wasn't going to work out for 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 Jamie, and we had to let him go. And we had to kind of de-escalate the character and kind of write it away. What so is what is it like for you, uh, Larry, when you get so? Okay, there's a bunch here we got to unpack, but okay, let's talk about the Jamie thing first. So you guys have a whole bunch of talking to psychologists. You said about abuse and and all this. We have this huge moment where he pushes her, where she falls down the stairs. He pushed her down. He pushed her down the stairs. All right. Okay. I guess. Um, she shouldn't have brought him to the sorority thing. And you know, he didn't have a, He didn't belong there. Yeah. Blame the victim. Wrong place for him. Um, but anyway, she goes down, she falls down the stairs and, so what is that conversation like with who do you, is that with Aaron Spelling? Is that who tells you that he, he's gone? Jess, were you at that meeting? Cause I know Steve was there with me and, and, and literally. I don't, I don't remember being at the meeting. I don't think you were there. I do remember, I, I do I remember, remember hearing the news. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I just remember we sat there and we had, you know, been to do 32, you really had to jump at it in the beginning and really get a sense of it. And the other thing I, I should mention is our staff was a bit new too. We had a bunch of different people. I saw the staff. I didn't know who they were. I saw that the people, there was a story editor credit at the end. I don't, I had to look them up. I don't remember them at all. I don't know. So it was, you know, nothing really was helping there. So, so, but, but, you know, we had kind of all gathered together in the chaos, you know, being good professionals and, and also loving and understanding the show. Really all of us understood this oral saga and where it was going to go in the long run. We all kind of were tuned in. 
And then we go up there and we had already had these ideas, like Jess said, for, for, for Ray Pruitt. And he says to us, you know, we've been getting a lot of mail. And I can only imagine how much mail that could be, like five letters maybe. It, it was a different world. Anyway, people think Donna is dumb for being with Ray. We have to get rid of him. And like our jaws also are, could have meant that Aaron thought Donna looked dumb being with Ray. That, that is correct. We that never knew. That's but what we, I, I learned a lesson from that whole storyline, and, and I, I made it clear on every other staff I was on that uh, spousal abuse or partner abuse is one of the irredeemable things that can happen to a character. We couldn't bring him back from the dead. And I don't think we knew that at the time. I don't think we did. We love the character. And him and Donna, there are parts in this episode, you see them together, they're so good. Yes. You, you say, oh, this is really great. Um, anyway, so that just felt to shit, unfortunately. That's, not, I mean, that's, I mean, for, and it's for the actor, for Jamie, you know, I mean, he probably signs a, you know, a, a couple of years on thinking, hey, this is going to be the next couple of years of my career. Plus, he's got the music thing going on, right? So he's. And we heard it hurt his music thing, which is what made it very right. sad. Yeah, people were showing up at his concerts with signs that said, leave Donna alone. Yeah. Poor guy. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why it was so nice in the in the reboot they did this summer. They redeem him. Yes, did you see yeah. the show they did. Yeah, so great. Um, okay, so then talk to me. You said earlier that you knew that Andre was leaving. Uh, what was what are some of those conversations like? Are, are you aware that Gabrielle is going to leave the show? Is that her choice? Is that another one of these things where the, the, you're just not going to renew her? Or what is that kind of like? You should. You want to take that, Jess? You probably were. I honestly don't remember. I really okay, don't. Well, I, I kind of, uh, you know, she was getting, uh, you know, again, it was the budget thing was always a situation. And, and you know, in negotiation, there was a star system in our show. I mean, just, just to try to understand the business of it. And some of the money was flowing upward, which meant less in the pot for other people. And a simple way to put it. Um, and I think there was a concern because she obviously had been the oldest we didn't really do a good job for her with the uh, with her marriage. We kind of failed on that. The baby, I have a firm theory that babies are show killers. God help me. But uh, I think in our show, it just, yeah, look, we tried it. We, we, we did everything we could, I thought. I mean, we, we tried. It just- We uh, threw lots of story at her. We did. She and look, she could have stayed if they could have made a deal, but maybe she did. I don't know what the negotiation was. I mean, we're not privy to that, but we just knew that, you know, pretty well in advance that she was going. I think you wrote that episode, Jess, where she leaves. Jess? I probably <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica, before, before we came on, you were talking a little bit about identifying a lot with Andrea because, you know, you wrote a lot of her stuff. and It wasn't that I wrote a lot of her stuff. It's that when we all uh, reached into the stories of our own lives, uh, we used a lot of my story to give to Andrea mm. because we had similarities. I was this Jewish girl and, with a, and so that gave fodder for what we could do with Andrea. And I wasn't embarrassed to, as none of, none of us were embarrassed to use all the stuff we had done when we were young and throw it at the character. So she got the, the Mexican boyfriend, she got mine was a was a, a lawyer. Hers was a doctor. Um, she got the teacher flirtation. I did that. Um, 
She, I forget all of the Holocaust well, survivor. I, I should say she had the pregnancy my wife had, because the premature baby and the dreams. Oh, that that's was all right. my wife Which yes. I was happy to finally get that out of my system. So. Oh, I'm so glad you got to write this that. It's really true. Her. Yeah, this is also great. I mean, I can't even believe that that happened. I mean, that's a hard. I mean, what a. I mean, on camera, that the show makes it look so crazy. What's happening? This really happened to you, Larry. What's that? Oh yes, yeah. I mean, the premature. Wasn't baby. he the smallest baby no, in was, history yeah, yeah, at that time? Yeah, one pound fourteen ounces and down to like one pound eight. This was nineteen eighty one. Uh, he's almost forty now. Uh, yeah, you you were his born, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we get these things out. Jessica's right. We, we did draw from all our different lives. And, uh, you know, Steve certainly had some Steve Sanders in him. And we all had some, all the you know, guys had our Steve Sanders, you know, hooks in. And, you know, uh, yeah. that was the fun part. And some of the other characters, are certainly. And, you know, I always want to hear what Michael has to say. Because Michael, as much as we love the characters, they're all in our heads. Michael actually worked with them and probably saw their their habits and how they worked and so much better than us. Yeah. No, they were actually, it's funny because, you know, I've done a lot of shows and that was one of the most, um, it was, it was one of the coolest shows to have done because there was time, the show knew what it was. It didn't pretend to be anything other than what it was. And it was extremely well produced. It was, you know, it was not a high budgeted show, but it was written to be done well for the budget that was given to it. It looked and great. So because of yeah. that, there was a lot of time to work with the actors on the scenes. I mean, I think that's why it comes across so well, because we did have time to rehearse and we had time to go over it. And all of those actors were extremely committed to making it the best show that it could be for what it was. Yeah. And um, they all knew their lines. They all understood the technical aspects of having to hit the marks and not being allowed to do a lot of, you know, bring it, bring your A game from the start because we're not going to be able to do five or six takes of anything. So they all had to come and bring it from the start, which was, it made it a, a pleasure to work on. And, you know, they all really knew their characters very well, uh, very professional, and uh, it was just a joy to work with them. So, I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about the show. And, of course, you know, and to the point where, you know, when I remembered when I was working on it, I'm, on other shows, people would say, you know, oh, that's a crappy show or whatever. And Aaron's spelling, you know, they put him down and say, hey, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with the most prolific producer in television. Yeah. I mean, and it's and then as as 90210 kept going on and on and it ended up having almost 300 episodes. I think publicly we said 300. I think it was actually more like 296 or something, but um, you know, it's again, it's hard to argue with that. It was a huge successful show and it made the Fox, you know, it made Fox. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was um like I said, it's hard to argue with that kind of success. I went on, I did uh, the OC, which was a, sort of a similar show. Sure. Um, and when those actors would feel, get, you know, feeling all sort of full of themselves, I, I would say, hey, you know, 90210, those actors could not go anywhere in the world without being mobbed by fans. It yeah. was a worldwide hit show. And you should only be so lucky to be half as successful as that show was. And so, you know, even though, you know, it may not have been the most, the deepest show I've ever done or, 
It was not certainly not the most beautifully beautifully photographed show that I've ever done, but in terms of just a a great example of what TV can be, in terms of influencing the culture and setting you know examples or showing people how other people behave and how they interact with each other and emotional you know emotional content and storytelling, it was great. I mean, I don't know that you can. You know, do I mean what? You know, certainly, like I said, there could be more fancy production. There could sure. be deeper storylines. But in terms of just the general television viewing experience, it was pretty great. Yeah, I, we all agree. Yeah, I always looked forward to working on that show. And I always, we always look forward to having you. Give Lori another shout out because it was and is the best show. So there you go. That's Lori. Yeah. No, um, let me ask you about, in, in terms of writing off uh, Jim and Cindy. Um, listen, guys, I imagine writing an ensemble show is challenging in itself. There's so many moving parts, there's so many moving characters, and you have to think about uh, all the different things that, that everybody is doing. And then you, you add parents, right? So it's not just these kids. You've got all the kids' parents, uh, you know, and every and everything else. Is it relieving in a way that it's like, okay, we don't have to write for those are two people we don't have to write for uh, anymore. <laughs> well, part of the thing is that when you have a show where the young people become so popular, nobody really wants to see people's parents at a certain point. Sure, the young audiences didn't want to see them, and. They didn't really want to see the kids getting older, having to interact with their parents all the time. Yeah. And But at the same time, they loved these parents. So we didn't really want to show Brandon and uh, uh, Brenda um, treating their parents badly or ignoring them. They, we had to take it all uh, very seriously and present a family that the audience wanted to believe was a good family and a healthy family and something that they wished they had a lot of viewers at home. So yep. it was a challenge and it became, uh, it was comforting to know they were there uh, an email away. Yeah. I know the email thing was funny. I mean, there was a little email gag in there. She sends it off. That to was the funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. I liked it. When they called it the information superhighway, I was like, whoa, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So that, well, that was two times I think you guys. I was reading, I was reading Wired Magazine then, you know. The Nostradamus of uh, what's going to happen in the world to predict uh, email the way it was. I don't think anybody was showing email that way on television, uh, but you guys had the computer out, the, the whole well, nine. So Fox, Fox had the uh, Delphi. They had their own like AOL kind of company. You know, they kind of obviously failed. We never heard of it, but we for a while they had Delphi. We all had Delphi dial-in numbers. <laughs> At least I did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. laugh. Evidently, right? They tried, but it didn't do well. Um, all right, so Jim, yeah, can I revisit one point just as an example of how the show can still be setting examples? So when I rewatched it, and at the end of the episode, when Brandon says, "It's his," you know, it, this is the house I grew up in. Yeah. And it actually made me think personally, like I sold my house, the house my kids grew up in a few years ago. And I thought to myself, you know, was I sensitive enough to them having grown up in that house? I mean, I didn't ask them, you know, are you okay with me selling the house? No, I'm saying, you know, it made me think, the show made me think, was I sensitive enough 
and you know, with my own kids who were already adults by the time anyway. But you know, so was Brandon. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's, so that those are the kind of things that I think made the show really stand out. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, again, Steve Steve was our go-to schmaltz guy. Steve Wasserman uh, was, you know, if there were schmaltz wanted, you could ask Steve about it. True. <laughs> Nicole says, uh, I feel like Jim and Cindy were more than just parents. They were a part of the gang. They were family to everyone. So that's a very nice compliment to those two actors, right? I think they, I do think the two actors um, were incredible through the, through the run, yeah? They were, yeah. Cindy made a lot of salad in that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I, worked, I worked with both of them on different shows subsequently, and they both, we are, you know, we all just had a lot of Fond things to say about nine hundred two one zero. They are delightful people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked with Jim also before, and we ran into Carol. I'm sure they would come on the show sometime. I mean, I think oh, you know, yeah. oh, that would be the right episode. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but not only that, in your guys' world, leaving is Chuck Rosen, who does our, you know, does the show with us. He also leaves at this time. Larry, he brought you into that. What is that experience like uh, having your friend and the guy that kind of got you started leaving the show as well? It was a tumultuous time, really. I mean, uh, you know, uh, because, but there wasn't really that much time to think about it because you had to do 32 episodes. <laughs> right. but, yeah. uh, you know, you pretty much, again, had a, a, you know, it was just Steve and I, and then there was really no other staff that was continuing. I think Meredith Steam came on and she had done some episodes the year before. So she was help. She was there. She was a hand. And we had a couple other people join who needed to catch up. And the problem, I think, was for writers was we were moving so fast. And the, the oral saga was, like, already set in stone so far in advance that you just kind of had to know what was going on. There was no – nothing was written. It was all in our heads, like a shared storyline. Mm -hmm. Steve and I had come from the world of soaps, daytime soaps. And we were brought in uh, at the end of season one – because we had experience in romantic drama. Mm -hmm. Because we also had experience in writing. They didn't know this, but it turned out that we knew how to write fast. We knew how to write fast. We knew how to write good. But fast was really important. And we, uh, we brought a lot of kissing to the party. Um, and we brought... Um, we brought the notion of the romantic triangle as the most important structure that that a show like this could rest on, and that was a very hard sell. And I that Are you talking me, about the romantic triangle with Kelly and and Kelly. Kelly, Kelly well, it started as a triangle with Kelly, Brenda, Dylan, and then it became a quadrangle with Brandon. And then, I mean, they 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 were moving pieces all the time. Yeah. And when we first sold this, uh, the the when the when the triangle exploded and Kelly wound up saying, before Kelly was doing "I Choose Me," it was who was Dylan going to pick, Brenda or Kelly? And Kelly's earrings were in his couch or some kind of storyline like that. We had to pitch this show to the network, and I mean, spelling. We'd have to pitch the spelling first. He'd buy something, then we'd all traipse over the network. And when you had Sandy talking on your last show, um, he may not remember the meeting in in the Fox offices when we had to pitch where we were going with that triangle. 
And it got the network said, you're going to destroy both women. You can't. You can't do this. You can't mm. have sleeping with both of them. You can't have this triangle. It's a disaster. The audience won't buy it. They're going to hate it. And we fought. And Aaron got so nervous that he walked out of the meeting and let us hang. He hung us up to dry, figuring it was all going to be thrown in the garbage. And he wasn't going to be there to pick up the pieces. But they bought it. Because we sold it really, really hard, yeah. and that was I. I was always that was great. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to say we used to have a, a whole when we I first do a whole episode on that alone, and we probably will. So let's save some of that information for for that for that particular. Okay, okay. And Larry, on, the, on the kissing say, thing, I'm sorry. The, on the kissing thing, we used to have a, a sign in the office that said, "Kissing is good." <laughs> Well, there is a lot of kissing. That, that was also meant that you didn't have to go so fast. You know, that's what was great about the show. There was an emotional reality we didn't break because we, we took things slowly. We didn't just hop into bed. It, you kind of built shit. You did. You know, always burn off stories. All right. So let's get into this now. Okay. Speaking of kissing is uh, is good. We get into a lot of kissing right off the bat, right? We're going to be introduced to Colin Robbins. So um, how do you guys find out about Jason, that he's going to, Jason Wills, he's going to be the actor that's going to be playing Colin. Do you guys get to meet him beforehand, or you're like, what, what's that process like for you? Do you remember, Jess? Uh, we did a lot of auditioning. I mean, but, you know, he, he was good. We were looking for another bad boy. You know, we, we knew at that point, probably, that, that Dylan had only signed for 10 episodes, and we're looking for some, you know, who's going to kind of just be disruptive to the, the friendships of the kids, because you want to vertically integrate the storylines. And he's going to be, you know, another problem. And he just hit the bill. I, th you know, he kind of, kind of tore it up. But, yeah. but I don't remember uh, in detail. But there was never a time when we had one actor who we'd sent to, uh, to the no, network. No, there were other actors too. There were, other, and it always was this horrible moment of anxiety where you'd have the one you wanted, but you had to give them two others, and you had to make sure that it wasn't obvious that you were giving them losers and you had to make sure there, that you could be able to stand it if you got one of the ones that wasn't the guy you wanted so you and, did you guys want jason to play colin yeah yeah yes i, I, I remember that and jess is absolutely right because you had to bring the actors first to spelling's office they'd read in there right. and that was I, a and, cool scene what could there that was one like? So wait, are you guys present when you when Jason does this? Yeah. What is what is that like to watch actors come into the room and try to be Colin Robbins? I'm sure that's helpful for you guys, but what is that like to watch? You've already seen them before. You've we saw them with in casting before, um, and when you're ready to take them up to see the Mister, you have to sit there and you're crossing your fingers and saying, "Please do it good. Please be good. Please be good," and. Um, and and he was, yeah. You could tell it too. I mean, he. It, there's nobody else that could be. Could, well, I mean, I guess you could say that about anybody who gets the part. But uh, it definitely feels there like there are such good casting stories. We'll have to do a whole episode. Oh, I want to. Casting. I think like casting did a great job all the way around on this series. I mean, I don't think there's really anybody that you w come through watching saying. Eh. I mean, for the most part, Diane Young. Diane Young was her name. Casting by. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yes. IMDb that, Lily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of no. course, Paul Wagner was a very big part of the casting. Yep. Yeah. All right. So now for Michael, you get this scene. How do you get a scene? Do they tell you, okay, we're going to do this thing where um, 
Colin and Kelly are going to join the Mile High Club, which is, by the way, now, for everything that everybody has seen about 90210, we are pushing the envelope. Uh, we're moving into adult themes, right? I mean, we're out of college. We're transitioning into something that is way, way different than what we've seen before. Um, is yep. that, for Larry, before I get to Michael, for Larry, is that a hard sell to Aaron? that we're going to now try to do more adult themes? No, I think they were pushing us in that direction. You know, that's, you know, we, we, the kids now are 21 years old. This is the junior year and they're all 21. That was this, that was what the, 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 this year was about. And, and also individually, they all really, you know, they were ready to, to rip it up. Yeah. Um, okay. So then for Michael, for you, you get, the script. you get the script that we're going to do the mile high club. What's your reaction when you get this? And what's it like working with uh, Jenny and uh, Jason in those scenes? By the way, Jenny looks incredible in this scene. Oh, I, I know. mean, I she's a, like, she's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah. So nice work. Yeah. To all everybody. The, all of yep. the written descriptions of her by just the Jason said were dead on. Yeah. <laughs> so Eyes, everything it was. Yeah, she was amazing. Well, no, I mean, I would get the script on my first day of prep. Um, that was another great thing about 90210, as opposed to almost every other show that I've done, is I always got the scripts on the first day of prep, which was a credit to those two guys and all the guys that preceded them. Um, uh, so anyway, no, I, you know, you, I get it, and I, I usually try to just read it through straight without thinking of any notes, just read it as an audience member would read it, so that I sort of get the feel, and I had already done a bunch of episodes, so I was familiar with the characters and the storylines and everything, so no, it kind of blew me away when I read that one, and I went, this is going to be fun, Yeah. so, you know, then you just start thinking, how what's the coolest way to shoot it, and how do you sell that you know that you're fooling the audience into thinking they've just they're just meeting for the first time and you know you want to be a little outrageous but if it seems too outrageous then I think it would sort of sh show your hand so and then of course the reactions of the other passengers yeah on the brilliant sort of yeah very good the audience what they should be feeling and um, yeah it was a great fun scene to shoot and then you know challenging because you know you're on a set it's actually you know it's not you're not really on a jet um so that's always oh, yeah. what is that like for for anybody that's interested yes yeah. um you know they they uh, in hollywood there are several companies that have existing um jet airliner sets um so it's you know it would be very impractical to shoot it on an actual jet because it's there's not really right. enough space um so in this, you know, the, all the walls will pull out and the chair, seats can move around and whatever. So the trick is, though, to get to get the actors and the extras to have them, you know, to make them believably feel like they're on a plane. Yeah. Not, I mean, the extras, the extras, I got to give props. I don't know who those extras are. Yeah. They don't get enough credit sometimes, but wow. Yeah. I bought it, you know. Wow. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like a Harry and Harry met Sally scene with the uh, the uh, orgasm scene, you know. Oh, it's right. totally yeah. Um, and so what, how are the actors about this scene? Um, you know, they were great. They, again, it was a long, quite a long time. Sure. Ago, probably before many of the audience members of this podcast, uh, were born. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, they were, like I said before, I mean, the actors were always really great about doing this and, you know, they were both prepared and obviously, you know, there's a, a little bit of discomfort and just awkwardness of two strangers having a pretty intimate scene together but they sure. had already 
I don't, I don't think that was the first thing we shot in the episode. So I think we had already had a few scenes and we had rehearsals and I think I had, you know, the crew, we tried to minimize and scenes like that so that there's not that many people watching so that it, they can feel like they're more alone. And also I think because it was all sort of just a joke, they were able to play with it more than if it had been supposedly a real thing. Right. So uh, no, oh. it was just a great fun scene to shoot. I'm sure I shot for a little too long on that one because we had too much fun. That was a lot of fun, yeah, to watch anyway. I mean, today you have to have like a, a, a romantic sex coach or something. You have to have people, you know, show you how to kiss. And it's right. so much, you know, we were lucky to not have to have those restraints. I mean, it's so difficult now right. to do that. We're saying, oh, all this, sure. we're saying all this nice I stuff think- about Kelly. And, of course, we've got a few uh, Dylan and Brenda forever. I'm also <laughs> team Brenda and Dylan. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that, guys. Yes, we, we love that couple as well. Anyway, I'm sorry, Michael, to cut you off. Yeah. You know, a lot of, like, what what Larry was just saying, today, I don't know that you could really get away with writing a scene like that. Yeah. You know, because, because, I mean, it is outrageous that a strange guy would, you know, come on so heavy to a woman in public, basically. Yeah. And then lean in and kiss her and touch her hand. Who, who wrote know. this? Who 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 gets credit for writing this scene? Is it you guys? Is it Jessica? Well, I think you know probably everybody had a shot at it at one point. But I know I know Steve and I did. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have this experience? <laughs> I, I, like I said, I think this came from Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Jessica's smiling here. I don't know what to say. I know, a little bit. I, I think- I'm not gonna answer this on. There you go. <laughs> on international television. I love it. I love I'm an it. old lady, and I got grandchildren who watch it. So my grand, my, my son-in-law said to me uh, that my grand, my 12 and a half year old granddaughter wanted to watch the show because she heard I was doing this, and I said, "Yeah, sure." And my daughter said, "She can't watch this episode." <laughs> <laughs> of all the episodes you wrote, probably not this one, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah then you have the whole ginger thing, ginger showing up in Brandon. Let's give Lily a shot. Do you have a fan comment that you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, it's, it's got to do with Colin. So, you know, we see the I choose me statement that Kelly made at the end of season five. And then, yeah. bam, right off the bat, she comes home with Colin from New York. So a lot of the fans in the groups, you know, make statements that, she really, she didn't really choose herself because she just moved on to the next one. Oh, interesting. What, what made you guys choose New York to changed her back with Colin like instead that. of having some time to focus on herself? Larry's got the answer. She focused on herself off camera. That's what, she was a model in New York, <laughs> and New York. and then she got involved in a in a casual bad relationship, and I think that. Part of what I choose me meant, frankly, is I'm too young to be serious about either one of you. I have a lot of uh, sowing my own female wild oats, and um, that's what uh, that's what we thought she needed to do. And as in a television sense, we needed a lot more variety for her and for all of our cast because. We couldn't keep going around the same. Yeah. The gene pool is getting shallow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, you got somebody already convinced because Zara says, Oh, I see now. Yeah. So he, yeah. he, he, he now understands it. So thank This you. is often a very heated topic. So thank you for. Yeah. I don't think that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And like Larry says, it's New York. This is what happened, you know, right? 
All right. So now we go from, we kind of go from this to meeting Ginger. We've seen Ginger. We've heard of Ginger in previous episodes, right? She calls. Ginger is a part the other end of the phone call. We meet Valerie in episode five uh, for episode one, season five, where she's rolling the joint and uh, talking to Ginger about all the avocado heads she avocado made. Avocado heads. <laughs> Who yeah, that's my avocado line. Heads. Avocado heads is my line. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think it even gets recalled. By the way, in this. Oh episode. yeah, yeah. No, I think I, she's I the one that said that these people are avocado <laughs> heads, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I um, started writing Gidget. It was uh, originated on Gidget. So, so talk to me about uh, Ginger and the actress that played Ginger. Was that another one of those things where you went into spelling to to meet this person, or yeah. does she get that kind no. of? Thing? No, she. That was a, in Paul Wagner's office, and we knew her from Clueless. I mean, do you remember her, Jess, Elisa oh, Donovan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she was really a get. I mean, we we wanted her. I don't, I don't even know if we auditioned the part. We, I, think I don't awesome. think that was an audition thing. I think it yeah, was. Oh, if we can get this hot actress for four episodes, yeah. we're going to take. I think her. so. Yeah, we we liked her, and and she. You know, she was kind of nasty. I mean, she's she's to the left of Valerie. I mean, I forgot that we created the characters like worse than Valerie. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, that's how you do it, and that's how that makes Valerie sympathetic. I mean, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, um, awesome working. You know, Kim says here Ginger was Valerie's partner in crime. Uh, yeah, I mean, so talent, super talented to work with. And now you've got this thing, Michael, where you're now going from the scene of, I'm sure this is all out of order how you shoot this too, but you go from this hot and heavy scene uh, on the plane to now Ginger in Brandon's bed. This is some episode right. for you when you're looking at this script, right? <laughs> like, <Yes>. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my son's watching it and moving closer to the TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know which one to pick more, Ginger or, or Kelly, really. <laughs> you know? watching, it a few years, watching it a few years later, I had totally forgotten that she was in the bed when Brandon got into the bed. And, oh, so uh, it was like watching it for the first time for you a little bit. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. kind of a fun surprise seeing yeah. that. And again, it's like I'm th I think that's another reason why the show was so popular because you sit there thinking, hey, how come these things never happen to me? <laughs> 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 right, yeah. Brandon seems to get all the luck with that kind of stuff, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, then you also shoot some stuff back. I live three minutes from this Walsh house here in Altadena. But, uh, oh. yeah, so you, you come back. You, you guys stop shooting there for a little bit, but you come back for this episode to shoot some exteriors of Brandon going into the house. And I'm only asking because I live a few minutes away. <laughs> uh, what is it like going back to that? that location. Michael. Uh, I don't think I had ever shot there before because I, I, I think I came on the show. In I think there's a shot there where Brandon comes out by and walks by the force, the, uh, the, the escrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. When he pulls the Mustang in. Maybe it was. Are, there, are, the, are the people in that house very nice? Are they very helpful? Oh yeah. I was just there this summer. There was a, a tour which Chuck and I were uh, helping with, with Darren Martin. And we went there and uh, you know, you could, they had the rules that you stand, you can stand here. You can't go here. You can take <laughs> pictures. Yeah, no, it's like a shrine. And in wow. fact, we were stopping at all the different locations and it ended up at, uh, at Torrance high school. Oh, that's very cool. And for the fans that want to go stalk the locations, don't, but Dylan's house is right down the street. So, I mean, they're, they're literally only like a block away from each other. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, now we got this thing with um, Donna and David to re 
to, I mean, uh, with uh, Ray to resolve. You mentioned it before dealing with the whole Jamie debacle. Um, what are some of the thoughts you have, you guys? Like, how are we going to redeem this guy? Are those conversations that you're having? Well, like Jeff said, we, we, we had an idea. We had a plan. I mean, you know, he's just a kid who was also a victim of abuse himself. And he was going to go through therapy and it was going to, you know, we're going to see light in the end. But like Jeff said, we were very naive and we didn't realize how damaging, you know, I mean, Steve Railsback never recovered from Manson. We should have understood that. You know? um, but we do get to see them, you know, obviously their summer has been okay for Don and David. So you're trying. Yeah, to- I thought we did good. We have him crewing with the old man and everything's working out well. I mean, I thought that was believable. I, I didn't remember it. And Jessica's right. I think that was you know, Steve in the sailboat and the whole bit. We're shooting I in the room. Right I know it was fantastic. And of course, Kenny Lerner, my friend Kenny Lerner, is playing Jerry Corman. I think he's in a couple of episodes. Yeah. In the episode with Ariel Hunter, he's the head of uh, the record company that signs David Silver, I think. I think so. I think he's been he's been around. But anyway, so so Barbara Corman loses her ring. Where 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 this is a crazy thing that happens. Where is this coming from? The that Barbara Corman loses her ring, and of course, Ray might be the thief. I mean, I actually, when I remember watching it, I thought Ray was the thief. So kudos to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I just think we were, you know, you know, just uh, anything, Jess, help me out. <laughs> I think, well, no, I think that's an example of a story that we just made up a, a mystery with a, a red herring and it worked. Yeah. Well, it also does a lot for Valerie, right? Because Valerie's trying this long con almost to, uh, you know, get all the, the gang on her side, which she's always sort of struggled with, right? So is this a thing for Valerie then? Well, I think it just happened and we, we discovered it as we were going along, but we definitely wanted to shake it up. I mean, I think we just put it in like a red herring to, to you know, just to call, you know, it looks like Ray is doing well. And of course, he's going to get, you know, the same thing. I mean, it was fun to, we should mention Catherine Cannon, who is mm-hmm. Donna's mother, who is just so cold. I mean, so I think the whole amazing as that character. Martin. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's something there, but I mean, of course she's immediately quick to judge that it's Ray, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, fantastic actress. Let me ask one you. One of the things, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go for it. Yeah. I was going to say that one of the things that I think Nano 2 and 0 uh, did so well, and it was very important to all of us is that there, our shows had beginnings, middles, and ends. We, had, we told mm-hmm. stories. We didn't just have scenes of people hanging out and kissing. We, we told stories. Yes. And, the, and we all, each one was sort of a mini movie. And we also knew that every third act there was going to be a party. And that gave, that, that gave um, kind of a structure to our lives, we didn't always, fo- you know, follow that mold. But it meant it meant that the stories we wanted them to have different uh, waves of sure. um, drama and comedy. And I, I think this episode had all of it. I mean, I, I, I thought so too. I thought it checked all the boxes. You know, in our basic thesis of emotion, passion, bonding, and fun had had all of that stuff. I, I was pretty pretty amazed. Uh, the other thing, which Jess was talking about. One thing that we were proud of is that it was a serial sh- serialized show, but every episode was complete in itself. It had a beginning and a middle and an end to it. We gave people more than what you see now, where it just ends and the next one picks up. Sure. And the other thing I've noticed, and I wanted to see what Jess thinks here, and, and Michael, because you probably work in both, 
when we, you know, when we wrote the show, there were act breaks and the audience would leave us for two to three minutes. And so those act breaks had to be compelling enough hooks that the audience would come back. And we wrote right. to the act break. Now, the shows that run on HBO or everything, other things, streamers, there are no act breaks. And I find the writing isn't as good in a lot of ways. I a lot, there's not as much story. There's no, uh, it's just not enough incident. It's a breathing room almost. You know what I mean? Like when you would take an act break, what you're talking about as a viewer, you can have a breath on this big thing that you saw. But when you're watching these streaming shows, there's no, there's no moment to just, whew, what did I just see? What did I, no moment to take it in. Is that what you're trying to say, Larry? Yeah, you know, because obviously we'd score that moment. You know, there'd be a double cut usually. In my, you know, because character was plot for us. That was the other thing. We believed and we, that that saved the show because you didn't have to continue to have incident that would be unrealistic. Character would became plot. Mm -hmm. You see the faces of what happened in the moment. See that T-shirt next week. Character became plot. <laughs> there you go. What is the emotional cliffhanger? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Zara brought up another. He says that they, he really thought they were going to add Ginger to the cast because Val needed someone to vibe with. Was that ever a consideration? Adding Ginger. No, I mean, I don't think so. it could have happened, it, but it didn't. I mean, no, no, it was never, no, it was a short term. They made just a, a two-episode deal or a three-episode deal with it or something. I'm sure there was times, though, where you brought someone in for two, and then you were like, oh, we can keep that character moving forward. Kathleen Robertson, certainly, you know, she was, you know, and, and Ray, too. Look, Ray wasn't signed as a regular, he, but this season he was signed for 32, which he never got to do. I think the big thing yeah. about this episode that we can get into dive into now, which is probably what everybody wants to talk to talk about is Luke Perry. Obviously he's going to, he's going to leave 10 episodes in, but you're going to start building into this Dylan Tony thing and uh, him chasing down Marchette and, and the whole nine. So uh, walk me through where that concept comes from and casting Tony. Um, the actor that plays Anthony Marchette is phenomenal. Uh, so talk me through some of that, Larry, and all of you. Uh, well, I mean, we knew Luke was leaving at 10. We wanted to give a great entrance, and we had left off in uh, season five. He was hung out of a, a, out of a tram in the uh, San Jacinto Mountains uh, to get off the case, and he came back. Uh, but because we probably wouldn't have gone this way, but knowing he was going to leave, we figured that was what all, the only thing we had that was explosive. Let him not listen to the threat on his life, and go after this guy. And then what, then we had the idea, you know, of the Tony Marchette and Antonio Marchette, you know, that was kind of fun. And, you know, oh. to be able to romance the, the, the girl of the guy you're going to kill. Uh, that's, that was very it, much Steve Wasserman. I have yeah, to say. That was delicious. And, and, you know, I had done action shows, so I brought the, you know, that a lot of the, the action uh, stuff into that too. Um, and, you know, that, you know, again, we Stanley Camel was the actor who played Tony Marchette. And I, I again, I don't think we just offered to him, he didn't come in and read. He was a, a very good character acting, he was so perfect for the thing. Uh, his eyes were so wide apart. You remember, like, how yeah. wide apart his eyes were? He was such, he had he just was evil. You remember uh, when we cast Rebecca Gayhart and then Rebecca Gayhart? I mean, to get her, we were so thrilled because she was she was the Noxema girl. That's how that was her claim to fame for us. Was that yeah. her first acting? Her first time acting? Was it on Night Probably. Uh, I, you know, we knew her as the Oxima girl. And I we only had, remember we her. We had cast people out of commercials, so it wasn't that strange. She probably yeah. had done something. I don't know. You have to look it up. Yeah. 
But she's wonderful and she was a real trooper. Uh, do you remember Jeff, Jess, uh, I think it was like one of the first days she shot, we were shooting on the beach and it was early in the morning and she was walking on the sand and she walked over what had been a bonfire that had been covered up loosely and her feet and her soles got burned. Oh my God. And, she's, and so Why we, we said, oh my God, we can't shoot. And she's, no, no, I'll be all right. And she, she kind of did the whole thing, even though she, we knew she was in pain. And she was pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, so do you know at this point? I, I got to ask you guys: uh, when you find out that Luke is going to be leaving the show, that must be one of the hardest things to deal with because he's such a great character to write for. In a lot of ways, he's the heart of the show now that people are leaving and all that. Um, how challenging was that for you guys to find out that Luke was leaving, and well, the car Dylan was leaving? It's terrible. It was terrible. Just terrible. I mean, we. I mean, we just couldn't believe. It. I mean, we just tried to get the whole season out, but it just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, we just tried to make it as good as. Now, I should say one thing. And now, you know, Luke, we, we we terribly miss him. But I have to say, all the actors look really great. But I didn't like Luke's look at this thing at all. He, he no. had this kind of like vest thing on. And did you notice that, Jess, at all? Did you? His pants were very loose, and he looked very skinny. I have to say, you said that Luke was the heart of the show, but I don't agree. Who do you think is the I, I, Brandon. No, okay. Brand, Jason, yeah. Jason was the, uh, it, Luke had a lot of dramatic operatic moments and as a bad boy and as our, our quota of Byron and all this stuff. But, uh, but this was, Jason was the heart of the show and he was the quarterback and he was the, he was yeah. the, he was the leader. Well, Lou, you know, watching Luke leave, I'm sure there were thoughts of, I'm sure before the season ends, there's conversations. We can do this with Dylan. We can do that with Dylan. If he comes back, if he comes back and then finding out you only have him for 10. What does that do for writers? Well, you got to write, you got to, you know, accelerate. It up. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, we were out there and I think, uh, you know, we laid it out pretty good. I mean, obviously, it was a, an excellent episode, the last episode, which Steve uh, gets the credit on that one, too. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole thing. We'll, we'll dive into that at some, yeah, at some other point. The, I do want to do a whole episode uh, about that. But at this point, he's he's going – you're going full throttle into him sort of, you know, catching uh, Anthony Marchette and Marchette and, the, and the whole thing. Um, and, you know – you guys offered, uh, you said you offered the actor that, that part and whatnot. Um, what's it like working with those guys, Michael? You know, again, it's like, I don't, it's kind of going to be repetitious. They were, they were always nothing but professional and great. And, you know, it's fun. It's interesting because when I was watching um, uh, Jason's performance in this particular episode, it, he, he kind of, it, he has a lot of the sort of, you know, he says all righty, and uh, which I, I have a feeling was probably not in the script. I mean, I think he brings a lot of his own. He brought a lot of Canada bit, into it when he said Canada Castle Walsh. Yeah, which actually, in my in my viewing this time around, having not seen it in so long, he comes across a little bit of as like a not an old man, but like a yeah, kind of like an old man with these sort of phrases and expressions and. Some yeah. of his gestures, he seems very uh, kind of corny a little bit, but <laughs> it kind of works because he flashes that smile and he's got that handsome face and, and eyes. You know, so irresistible as a person. And even in person, I bumped into him a couple of years ago at CVS 
down here in Studio City. And he's just like, you know, you just want to just be with the guy. I mean, yeah. He's just one of those human beings that just is so magnetic. And, and, and again, it was like, you know, he, I remember he had this uh, video game that he liked to play. This car was a, sort of an old... Uh, you know, it was a car racing game, a big full-size arcade size, of course, not just a little thing on his computer. And um, in between scenes, he would go play the game, and then he would come back, and he would, like, immediately jump right back into character without, hmm. a, without a break. And to me, that, you know, that kind of actor is just, it's pretty impressive. Like, even if he was going to do a super emotional uh, scene, he could play that game, and he'd say action, and he'd be he'd right into it. So it's kind of fun to have actors like that, too. Yeah. And like I said, he was, I mean, I think he was, I think he was kind of, he was sort of the the leader of the show. Because, sure. like, if any of the other actors occasionally would get a little persnickety, which, you know, obviously happens, um, he would sort of be the one to say, hey, get, you know, get in line. And, of course, there was always... Always the subtle threat of if you were out of line, you'd have to go see Mr. Spelling. That no one ever <laughs> wanted to go see Mr. Spelling. Uh, that was not going to be a good outcome. Yeah. What was Rebecca like to work with as a director? Um, wait, Rebecca. Uh, did you work, did you work with her? Tony Marchette. With, with, with the girl that Dylan falls in love with and marries and then she's killed? Mm. Yes, I did. That, yes, I did work with her. Um, I honest to be completely honest, I don't have specific memories. All you know, other than the general memory of everyone was pretty great. Cool. Um, and then we we see a car scene where the guys where the guys are all together. David, uh, that was my favorite scene in the show. I love that too. By the way, I think it might be mine as well because it shows like these are our guys. Right, I mean, Dylan's going to be leaving, and these are our guys moving forward. Is that being done on purpose that way, or no? But uh, don't forget, that's no. part of bonding—the bonding thing. Yeah, I thought, Michael, you captured, you gave them a lightness. It was so real yeah. and so casual, and it—it it just was the flavor of the show, and it—I loved it. It captured their friendship so beautifully. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's who they were. I mean, they were really like that. So it was not that hard to do. You just say, you know, you just have fun with it. I was going to. Yeah, have you're right. I mean, the bonding. You had. To, you got a sense that these these people all really loved each other as friends. I was. And you know what? I, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that actors bring their own personalities and relationships to the party. And sometimes you're writing about a friendship and it's not real on camera, but we were with these people for so many years that we got to see the relationships that were true in real life. And we were lucky enough to be able to write to them the way when this show started, Brenda was the, the good girl and Kelly was a bitch. Well, that changed that because no. in real life, Kelly was not. And it, you know, the, their no. characters, the, the, the Brenda fans like are getting ready. That's right. The, the Brenda fans are getting ready to send their messages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's good. That, and that's interesting to hear, though. I would always say that when you would see, like, say, Brandon and Steve together, there does seem to be an authentic brotherhood or the best friend thing. You know, the actors are definitely bringing that. Um, is it because, and are you writing things because you know that they are getting very close? One thing I know we were writing, 
was that there were drinking games going on. Anytime they said bro, that people would take a drink back in college. So we were aware of this. So we would always put a couple of bros in there for the drinkers. <laughs> I love it. All right, we get to this. And also part. on the set, we would take a drink when they said bro. So we always. <laughs> um, we get to this party scene. The party scene is so fun, right? I feel like, Michael, you're shooting the party in a very different way than people have seen on stuff on 90210 before. <laughs> Talk me through a little bit of that that uh, the rave. Also, real quick, Steve spray paints the a little note. Steve spray attempts to spray paint the wall, but looks like he struggles with getting spray paint out of the can. Do you recall that? Right, I do recall it, and I think it was that the can was it was not the greatest can. But this is a you know nine oh two one oh budget. It had to be shot in seven days thing, so we didn't really have time to send someone to get a new can and, and then re redo the wall and do another take. So he just went with it. Which again, Whatever you was, get, you're going to get. That's it. Yeah, it was, yeah. But it was a great thing, and it's a skill set that the actor has to have in order to just not pull out of the scene and go, what the fuck? This isn't working. Right, and also <laughs> Gina then gives a heart, and it's not the best heart I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right. But again, it's you know you don't have take two. What about the, uh, the scene with Colin and and Kelly where he puts the paint on her? That's fantastic. Was that paint or was that were they? Do you remember if they used something other than paint, like chocolate yeah, syrup? It, had a, it was a water based uh, thing that you had to have made up for that. But still, Great. it took a, you know that again was a one take. I think I had three yeah. cameras that day because it was a one take thing. Because I mean, yeah. we could have done two takes, but it would have been. A half an hour wait for to have all the makeup redone. Well, that stuff's fascinating to me. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. But that's that sequence. You know, you know, you sort of start. I always, you know, to me, my <coughs> obligation is to tell the story and not to say, "Hey, Michael Lang can come up with all these cool shots." If it's not really telling the story, so my obligation is to those guys in those other frames, the writers, and so, but. The feeling of that party, it was all about chaos and destruction of, you know, their home. And then at the end, when, when, when you know, that would not have landed, that last scene when he says, this is my house, I grew up in this place, it would not have landed as well had everything not been total chaos, total destruction. So when you're thinking about how to shoot the story, you know, the party in order to really tell the story and and try to enhance the feeling emotionally uh, and visually, then I wanted it to be sort of a little bit of chaotic camera work, not you know not the traditional. The nine hundred two one zero was all very set, beautiful framed shots that almost. I'm going to exaggerate just to make a point. Each one could have been like a piece of art, not really. Yeah. But that's the concept. I know what you mean. But this, this I wanted to have a feel of not that. I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be chaotic and disorganized and and feeling like things were happening that were out of control. So yeah. then the shots, really don't. if you're going to do shots that feel like they're very controlled, then that's not really telling the story. So, um, and I think I'm sure I got some pushback from people on it, but you know, I'm curious yeah. about the shot, even when Steve spray paints the uh, the camera. Uh, yeah, that I'm, that was either a that was either an Ian thing or a Michael thing. It mm -hmm. probably was a me thing because I would have had to have. In fact, it must have been a me thing because 
I would have had to have thought of that shot in advance so that we could have a piece of plexiglass, plexiglass to protect yeah. the actual lens. Yeah. You know, the one thing we did have before each episode was a cast reading, which was really valuable for us and, and for the director to understand. And we would have a concept meeting also with the director, too. You remember, Jess? We would sit there and go yep. through each scenes, what we were looking for. And then the, that in the cast reading was, was, was helpful. So it must have come up. I'm, I'm curious about this one scene. Um, Donna's kissing uh, David. I'm sorry. I always say that because I'm so used to them two being together. But Donna's kissing Ray and gets lipstick all over his face, which I imagine because she's wearing so much of it. And Claire says, you have, <laughs> lips you have lipstick all over your face. Is that something that's written in the script or is that something that is uh, done because he literally had lipstick all over his face? I think that was in the script because I think was I'm there, guessing there was little... that was. Yeah, I, I would think so. No. I'm guessing that was written. After that. Well, it felt very improv. So I think that was written into it. And again, that would have had to have been something that was planned because that's a time-consuming thing. <laughs> to do take two is a big deal. Right. Yeah. And then another part of the episode, uh, Lori brings up that Nat was so upset about this party. So there is that aspect of it. So the every Joey scene. We leave great You know, Joey. I love that Joey moment yeah. because we... It jo it, Joey... Uh, Delivered the line beautifully, and it he didn't it didn't seem stiff. It just seemed warm, yep. and he was the surrogate dad, and he Definitely. delivered. Yeah, Hot that was great. For me. I, I was really happy with that. Yeah, same he looked terrific. I mean, it, he looked great. So uh, what's interesting though yeah. is that you guys, you know, you lose you you're going to lose the Walshes, but you guys are going to keep Nat, right? So Nat is still going to always kind of be that father figure or the parent figure to. To Brandon, we fought hard to keep that. Wow, that's yep. Yeah, we love uh, Joey. One little yeah. side note: that sandwich that he brought into the party was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! All right, Lily, I'm going to throw to you. You've probably got a ton of questions because I've gotten through all of mine. So, oh, oh, just real quick about months, the actor who played months. What is he? Did he, how did Munts get thrown into the mix here? Because I think he was a crew member at one point, wasn't he? He's a keg member. No, yeah. no, no. You're thinking no, of no. Uh, that was Michael Cudlitz. Michael, yeah, yeah. He's a, right. Yeah. Who he went on to have a really great career. Yeah. Actor, yeah. Yeah. No, Munts was part of the keg crew. You know, he just and became. He, you know, he was. We wrote more for him because he was so great. Yeah, he's big in this episode too. I think he's a, a big part of uh, some of the keg activities, right? Yeah, you know, he's Steve's bad. You know, he's the little devil on Steve's shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is a this is a question from Kristen. I'm going to let in there. At this point in time, since Luke was leaving, and clearly Kellen and Kelly and Dylan were the best couple. Okay. Were you planning <laughs> reuniting Kelly and Brandon? Or no, not no. not not to be not not for a while, um, no, because we had no, we were gonna we had we had Colin planned for the whole year. I mean, we knew that was gonna be there, and you know there were other things to do, but but you know eventually in the long game, I think you know there was a, a Kelly Brandon in people's minds. I mean, certainly, yeah, yeah we, I, had, to, we I, had to hold that off as long as possible. I love even how you played Kelly Dylan in this uh, in this episode. You know, a friend. The friend thing is never going to work with those two, no. but I mean they're no. they're trying their hardest. Okay, Lily, let's go. Give, give me. And, some and they don't kiss. That's the best thing. She, 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 there's almost a kiss there, but it's an aborted kiss. Yes, 
Very good stuff. Lily, what you got fan-wise? Back to the uh, Dylan and Tony's storyline. I don't want to get too too much into it, but we've had a few people ask, um, like, did, did you guys wish that the Dylan and, and Tony storyline could have been carried on into later seasons? And instead of having Tony and Dylan leave to go to Hawaii as planned, why was she suddenly killed off? Why'd you go that route? Her death was planned. This was this was this was. Uh, he was only planned she, she, as this was going to be Dylan's exit, and it at full, the, yeah, we the never had wedding, that wedding and a funeral. Yeah. It was not. This was not a, a, a last minute decision. This was or a change of course. This was the plan. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and listen for every all the Brenda and Dylan fans. If Brenda doesn't leave. You might not get this beautiful moment, so uh, you 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 know you 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 need Brenda to leave to get Tony, and you get this powerful stuff. It's probably one like uh, Kristen just said, one of the best TV moments of the '90s. So there you go. Uh, what else you got, Lily? Um, the Valerie and Colin connection. So tell us a little bit about. Some people were confused because Buffalo is several hours away from New York City. Tell us a little bit about the. Valerie and Colin connection. I don't, I don't that far I away. Remember a Valerie Colin connection? Yeah, been, been a flirtation, maybe. But, episode, but down the line, we're going to get that um, that Valerie and Colin had known each other. You'll have to catch that. Yeah. Up. Have to catch up on that episode. Okay. <laughs> future weeks. I don't remember that at all. It, it, this is good for well, us to receive them, though. It's interesting. I mean, sure. it, it yeah. did happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else you got, Lily? Um. That, that pretty much sums it up over here. All right, guys. So we're, we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up. I want to ask you now, you looked at this episode all these years later. Does it still hold up to what you remember? Is it, uh, which, where, where are you guys at with that? Just I thought it was better. I thought it was I, it, first of all, I, um, the whole show, this, this series, has, when I look back at it, it holds up in ways that surprise me and make me proud to have been involved. Oh. Because it was, I didn't remember it, and then it came back, and I was proud of it. Yeah. And what about for you, Michael? I mean, my, you know, I, it's even more interesting to me because after these guys leave, you stick around and do some more episodes. You, you, you are in this eight to ten period. Um, what's your thoughts on it all these years later? You know, it's funny. I think first of all, I look back now. I mean, today shows are you know eight days nine days ten days to shoot for the same amount of time that 90210 was and we shot those shows in seven days and i was looking at the show thinking how the hell did we do all that i mean i had we had a sailboat we were out in altadena for the you know the house and we had the a big i mean a, i think the party scene went on for like two acts or three acts and I mean, painting the walls, and we had to replay. I mean, a lot of production in that, and we did it in seven days. And I'm thinking, that's crazy. That's pretty impressive. But the other thing that really hit me was just the whole social feel of the show and how things have really changed a lot since then. Yeah. Just, you know, this, just the, how people interact with each other and comments that are made and sort of taken a certain way that they would not be taken today. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, you know, I mean, I guess it sounds like an old guy thing, but it's kind of like you look back on it and you say, I don't know, were things better then? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was struck by the warmth. 
I was really even in the in the party scene where they're being destructive. They it wasn't scary at all, and it, right. I, you really get a sense of these people really are having fun, and yeah. they like having each fun. other, and they're being nice to each other. Yeah, yeah. So yeah Steve Sanders today. drunk was really good. I don't think we've ever seen Steve Sanders kind of I acting. I was going to ask you about that. Steve Sanders drunk, um, and this whole thing with Ray, and the the, the line, uh, "You're all jerks." Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're all jerks. Yeah, yeah. Who write? Who write? You're all jerks. I used that in in uh, argument with people people once. <laughs> no, it just, I don't know, it, but it, it was a lie. The, the attitude it was the attitude of Ray Pruitt. I mean, he always felt you know out of place with these people, and and that's the thing that's kind of cool in this episode because for the first time your friends feel like they've accepted me and everything's going well, and then he has the ring. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love I love I love some of the stuff you guys would did with Jamie. You know, and it's sad that it ended the way it did. But he, you know, I it, I love that character. I think there's definitely a group of people that guys that could have uh, related to that character for sure. All right, so listen, yeah. guys, we rock this episode. It was so great having Jessica and Michael here. Um, I hope Thank you guys you both so come back. You know, this this was a lot of fun to have your insight. I think you'll be uh, crucial moving forward. Lily, it's always wonderful to have you here, and Larry, of course, as well. Larry, do you have anything to plug this week? Uh, uh, well, just LarryMullen.com, my, my novel. Wait a second, my novel here. Yeah. Uh, Michael will like it. Jessica will like it. Uh, and that's about it. No, copy, it's, uh, my copy of my Roy Randolph acting shirt, T-shirt. I mean, yes. Yeah. So make sure you all go to the Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com, and you can get yourself... Uh, some t-shirts let's end on this um somebody's asking about luke's passing i would love for you guys to talk a little bit about luke as we end uh jessica and michael larry's given some comments about luke in a previous episode for for you two what was it like working with uh luke perry i'll start with michael um amazing he was amazing uh and it uh, it was crushing that you know that he passed away Cru absolutely devastating you know after the show I, I bumped into him a few times but as an actor he was just so th thoughtful I mean everything he did he really worked on he thought about it, there was nothing casual in his work ethic and that was always very impressive to me and I think he just he killed that part I mean he did a great job and in his subsequent shows he always you know, I, I never got to work with him again professionally, but um, whenever I would see his work, he, you know, again, it was always extremely thoughtful and, you know, you know that he really went over everything in great depth and absorbed all of the writing into him, into him and then interpreted it obviously in his way, but always faithful to the, the, uh, the intention of the material. Yeah, impressive. I think that's a beautiful statement. I think I think that's very well spoken. So, Jessica, what do you what do you have on that? I love the guy. I was privileged to go to yeah. New York when he uh, hosted Saturday Night Live, and it it was just thoroughly threw himself into life, you know. And he there was no barrier between Luke and his characters. Um, he was a really, really good actor, but being an actor, I don't think was the be all and end all of his life. He was a good man. Yeah. And um, his family was important to him. Uh, he was he was a good guy. 
Very nice. Uh, Kim says, thanks for all the different dialogues and how they played out during the seasons. And listen, guys, I'm all about gratitude these days. So to just, I've said this many times to Larry now, but to Jessica and Michael, I'm so appreciative to all the things that you contributed to this show. It's made an impact in my life and all the people watching this and listening to this, however they're listening to it, whenever they're listening to it. So thank you guys for the work that you did and sharing Evidently, your own stories <laughs> uh, with the world because uh, they made quite an impact on everybody. So thanks for this. And uh, listen, next week, Larry, are you ready? We're jumping into Valerie Malone. So uh, yeah, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck and I are going to be there. Yep. Chuck and Chuck. And, and uh, I don't know. I mean, you never might, know who's going to turn need the director. Yeah, we might need the director back. So that's Wednesday night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Guys, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me.